I'm Michael Pauley, and this is Faith in Politics. On this broadcast, we range from the soul to the state as we cultivate those virtues and explore those principles that help us live well as faithful Catholics in this great land. Well, good day, everyone. I'm recording this episode from my office in the Diocese of Rapid City, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Chris Motes, who is in the studio for the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing well, Michael. Great to be with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, as most of our listeners are aware, we have an election coming up on November 8th, 2022. Voters will decide races for governor, for U.S. Senate, U.S. House, and of course, the state legislature. Uh, But there are also a number of uh, really critical issues on the ballot. And we decided to make the focus of today's broadcast uh, on initiated measure 27, which is a proposal to legalize a record recreational marijuana in South Dakota. Last week, South Dakota's Catholic bishops released a statement in opposition uh, to Measure 27. And uh, for listeners who want to read that, uh, that is available on the South Dakota Catholic Conference website. Uh, That's at sdcatholicconference.org. And if you click on the top uh, navigation bar, uh, click on statements, um, uh, it'll be the first thing that appears. And so uh, we encourage you to take a look at that. Uh, But the bishops cited a number of reasons for their opposition to Measure 27, um, impacts on mental health, uh, impacts on education, economic impacts. And uh, but I I guess sort of the common thread that unites the, the bishops different concerns about the marijuana initiative is that they all fit under the category of uh, protecting the common good, um, which is obviously a core tenet of Catholic social teaching. And so today we're going to put the marijuana legalization initiative under a microscope and and really analyze it closely through the lens of Catholic social teaching. And to help us explore this issue, I wanted to invite a person who has spent a great deal of time thinking about what the common good really means and how and and the types of social conditions that either promote the common good or undermine it. So our guest today is Emily Leadham, Executive Director of the Lord Center in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Emily, welcome to the program. Well, thank you, Michael. It's good to be with you and Chris. Welcome back to Faith and Politics. We should be, uh, we should say, coming back, way back, episode two, um, respect life. trip around the sun. This is great. Welcome back. Glad Thanks, you're here guys. again. <laughs> Yeah, I can't believe we've let 105 episodes slip by without having you back as a repeat too guest. Long. So <laughs> it's been way too long. So, um, you know, Emily, as you know, this uh, program has a statewide audience. And so while I, I presume many people in the Diocese of Sioux Falls are familiar with you and your work, we may have a lot of listeners out here on the West Side uh, who don't know you as well. So uh, just to start us off, maybe you could just uh, give our listeners an introduction to yourself and, and the Lord Center and its mission. Absolutely. Well, a special shout out to the west side of the state. We have a family cabin out in Spearfish, and I have really come to love West River, South Dakota. So uh, it's a joy to be with all of our listeners today. Yeah, I I serve as the executive director of the Lord's Center located here in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. It's a ministry of the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And uh, I've been with the Lord's Center for about a year and a half, formerly known as Catholic Family Services. Wow, almost two years, actually. Uh, and really, our mission at the Lord's Center is to integrate 
what I would say the best of the psychological sciences uh, with an authentically Catholic vision of the human person in the service of human flourishing. So we do that through kind of a myriad of, of ways um, through one-on-one -on -one counseling. So we have a counseling clinic that's part of our work. Uh, we also do a fair number of programs that are really oriented towards human flourishing, um, especially related to grief or the healing of emotional wounds, that kind of stuff, which we all carry. Uh, whether we like it or not. And then we do a lot of education as well. So we like to travel around throughout the diocese and meet with people and uh, yeah, give presentations to youth or adults about various topics related to human flourishing um, in yeah, the, the, through that Catholic lens. So um, I, I really became passionate about psychology when I was in college. I took a psychology class and just thought, man, how do people go through life not knowing this stuff? I was really fascinated by how we relate to other people and um, yeah, just what it means uh why we think the way that we do, what it means to really be human in a lot of ways. And that class opened it up for me and then later on pursued my master's and now really have this heart for kind of the integration of the healing ministry in understanding how grace builds on our very nature. So that's kind of who I am and what we do. I also have a handsome hunk of humanity, husband named Matt and three little girls. So Emily, this, this word that, I mean, you repeated it several times. It's this word of flourishing that is really at the core of what the Lord Center does. It, I, for me, it really resonates with the work of the Catholic Conference and Faith and Politics. Yeah. Of course, the sign-off that we've always used from Faith and Politics is until next time, live well. And that's what flourishing is, right? It's, yeah. li it's living well. So I, I want to just talk a little bit about what um, legalized commercial adult use marijuana means for human flourishing. And I'm going to ask you to do just a little bit of a spoiler because I got the preview of your October... Uh, article for the Bishop's Bulletin, the Diocese of Sioux Falls, in which you write a little bit about uh, this topic and you share a really just kind of touching uh, story. Do you mind just sharing a little bit about kind of the experience you had and yeah. and just some of your general concerns? Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I, I have a handsome hunk of a humanity husband named Matt and three little girls. And one of our favorite things to do is go for, you know, weekend bike rides. And um, so a few weeks ago, we uh, loaded up on a Sunday afternoon to go for a bike ride. We we're going to jump on these beautiful bike trails that go through Sioux Falls and go over to a park. And we got to the park and there were two kind of young adults, young um, teenagers, somewhere in between, um, laying out on a picnic table in this park with the smell of marijuana in there. And, um, and it was very obvious, um, you know, just from as, as we got off our bikes and we're loading out or, you know, the girls were going over to play in the park. It was very obvious that clearly they, they were stoned, they were high. And, um, and I was struck by the fact that they, they didn't acknowledge us. There was, there was literally no awareness. I think that, that we were even there, or that at least there was no, uh, indication that they were, they were aware that we were there. Um, and it really, uh, the whole time I just kept on, you know, watching them out of the corner of my eye. And there was just this real, this real sadness. And my, my oldest daughter, who's five said, mommy, are, are they sleeping? Mm. And she was confused because their eyes were open. Right. So they were looking straight up, um, at the sky. She knew that they, she, she knew that they weren't sleeping, yes. but, but she, I could tell she was trying to figure out what's wrong with them. Something yeah. is not right. Like, I, and I think there was honestly a, a worry in her. There was some fear in her. Like, are they okay? Like, are they yes. dead? And, um, and, and so we, we played for a little bit, had all the snacks because we near a mom and you have three little kids, you bring snacks wherever you go. So we ate all the snacks 
And, and on our way back um, home, as we were riding our bikes, I just kept on thinking through this question, like, are they sleeping? Are they sleeping? And it almost, it impacted me so much that it really drew me to prayer. Like there yeah. it was, it was far deeper than just a, hey, are they awake or not kind of question. It really, yes. it permeated somewhere in my heart. And um, and so I, I, I continue to think like, are they sleeping? And I, um, I share in the, in this article that I wrote this grief that I started to feel that here's, there's two young 18, 19 year old kids that, that should be moving their able bodies or playing Frisbee or, um, or engage in conversation or thinking about the future or reading something or listening to something or, or even just contemplating like in, in an engaged sort of way. And there was none of that. Yeah. There was just this this void and um it's really difficult to describe but if you ever have just that kind of intuition like that spiritual intuition like something is not right here you know that was kind of my experience of it. Um and uh to be totally honest I would say um up until the last 6 months or so um the marijuana thing was kind of a non-issue for me. Like I just, I wasn't, I wasn't real passionate about it. I didn't, um, I didn't have strong opinions. There was kind of this, you know, I knew, I knew, uh, what are the potheads? Is that the, is that what the kids are calling them these days? Um, I knew potheads in high school, but really had no like, uh, feelings about it. Yeah. It was like, well, if that's what they want to do, that's not for me, but whatever, if that's what they want to do. Um, and then more recently started as it's uh, become more and more popular. And as yeah, South Dakota, you know, has been wrestling with the potential legalization and that kind of thing. I was like, you know, I got to understand this a little bit more. And then God would give me this experience in the park that really kind of confirmed what had already started in my own heart in this recognition that I don't know that this is, this isn't good for the human person. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't human flourishing. This isn't what flourishing looks like. And obviously I'm really interested in human flourishing. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where, where I'm at in my own journey of just wrestling with the topic and, um, yeah. And having this really profound experience that kind of touched me in a unique way a couple of weeks ago with my family, uh, and really left me in a, ugh, I don't, I don't want this for my kids. I don't want this for my girls. I don't want this confusion. Um, I want them to, to be 18 and at a park and with a friend and talking and engaged and present, yeah. to the world around them. I don't want them to be, uh, void. I don't, mm. I don't want them to be void. Right. So yeah, that's kind of where it started for me. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Emily, uh, when, when you think specifically about this proposal on the November ballot, uh, to legalize recreational use of marijuana, um, what do you, um, what, what do you see, I guess, kind of concretely speaking as, as the threats that, that poses to South Dakota in terms of, as you put it, uh, human flourishing. What are the different ways that you see that it potentially undermines human flourishing? Yeah. Yeah. So like I shared, you know, a key pillar of the Lord's Center is counseling. And I'm always a little hesitant to use the word mental health counseling because I think that that has almost too narrow of a connotation. You know, we see individuals that are dealing with a myriad of things, life transitions, um, children who are struggling. We see a lot of parents whose children are, are, uh, going through a myriad of difficulties and the parents are trying to navigate this or whatever. So, so I just want to put that disclaimer out first, um, that when we talk about mental health, we're not just talking about maybe chronic, um, big diagnoses. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yes. So, 
However, uh, as, as a counseling agency, one of the things that we see a lot of uh, is the impact of addiction. And um, so we recognize, and this is like pretty obvious, you know, you don't have to have a degree in psychology or something to recognize that addiction is, is not good for the human person. It robs the human person of freedom. The, the addiction rate for people who utilize marijuana is really high. I think, gosh, you know, you, you had Luke, um, I can't think of his last name. Niferatos. Yes. And he actually said that it changed in the last 10 years. It used to be like one in 10. Now it's one in three uh, regular users of modern day marijuana are, are subject to addiction or are likely to become addicted. Um, and we also see that the, it provides a major gateway for other drugs. Most people don't try meth or cocaine or some of those other really hard drugs without first trying marijuana, let alone, you know, cigarettes and some of those things. So, so that's one threat, um, one threat that I see. And then further with marijuana, some really fascinating studies have come out and you can look at this on like the SAMHSA website, um, which is what substance abuse, uh, substance abuse and mental health services administration. I think Thank you. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. it's a, we just it's call, a mouthful. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. We just call it SAMHSA cause I can never remember what it actually stands for. Um, but they have put out some really interesting research about the, uh, potential effects of marijuana on brain development and, uh, long-term effects on the brain and like the, the rates of, um, psychosis or schizophrenia really are, are much higher for people who are regular users of modern day marijuana. And I keep on using that modern day marijuana because I think it's also worth noting that the substance itself has changed in mm. the last decade. You know, the, the phrase like, it's not your grandpa's marijuana or it's not your, is that, <laughs> you're not, not your uncle's marijuana. That's, that's the shift that's really happened where the potency of marijuana has, has drastically yep. increased that. Um, and, and yet while the, the usership is rising, so then the percentage of people that are using is rising, the potency has been rising, the perceived harm or potential harm has been going down. It's been decreasing. People now think that marijuana, they, they don't think it's, it's problematic. They don't think that it's dangerous. They don't think that it has potential for, you know, the perceived, the yep. perceived harm has been going down. So for all of those reasons, I think that really, pro, that really proposes, um, some major harm to, to society, to, um, yeah, to young people, especially who are, I think are a particular target, even just in how it's worded recreational, you know, like yeah. it's for fun, it's easy, right. it's outdoorsy. It's, you know, they've really done a beautiful job marketing it, um, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but there's just this idea of what it's going to, of what it looks like. And yet the perceived harm or the, can the communication of the dangers I think have been sorely undermined. Hi, Emily, how do you think through, cause let's say there's somebody who's like, yeah, it's, you know, it's your smoking a substance, of course, it's, there's going to be some risk or harm, but you know, shouldn't grownups just be able to do what they want? How do you, how do you wrestle through that position with somebody who's saying, well, you know, kind of, can we just live and let live? This doesn't affect other people, right? Yeah. Right. What, what's the, how, how do you approach that? Well, I think that's where I was for a long time. You yeah. know, I shared like, even up until six months ago, there was a bit of this, like, well, there's not really that much harm. However, if you look at any law ever written 
in the United States of America, why do we have laws? Yeah. Well, it's for the common good. It's actually yeah. for the protection of people to create a society in which people can flourish, to yeah. offer some level of boundary to what is good for the person and what is not good for the person. It's why cigarettes became highly regulated. You right. have to be 18 to purchase a, a, a pack of cigarettes. Um, there's, there's regulations around these things. I think one of the critical problems that I see with with marijuana and why there's actually like policy that's needed around it is because there's not a really effective way to determine how much marijuana is in somebody's system. So true. So if you yeah. get pulled over after a wedding and you were drinking too much, you're going to get breathalyzed. And if you're over a certain amount, right. you, you, the cop is going to say, I'm sorry that you are actually a danger to society driving in this condition. Right. You cannot do that for the good of society. One of the great problems in marijuana with marijuana usage is we don't have a way to regulate that. We don't have a way to tell how much is in someone's system. And it it slows all of those reactionary things to a degree that it's this is not safe for you to be on the road. So that's just one example. Yeah. Um, but but that's what policy does. And and don't get me wrong, you know, like there's there's um a balance to be had there, right? We don't want to regulate everything to the point of that, that robs yes. freedom, but policy done well, I think, and this is more your element than mine, but um, I think policy done, done well creates a society in which people are safe to flourish or that they, they are safe and that they can flourish. Yes. Does that make sense? It does. Well put. So yeah. that's, that's kind of my, my gut reaction to it. And oftentimes moral perceptions follow the legal realities. Mm. So Roe Wade was set in what, 1973. It changed public perception. Yeah. There's no way that the number of people that today think abortion is completely uh, a right or whatever, it was not that high when Roe Wade was established in 1973. Right. 72, 73. 73. Um, I, so, so there's just a reality that this does follow our cigarettes. They became legal. And then you had this huge skyrocket of people that, that were smoking cigarettes. And then there was this massive pushback that says like, Hey, actually you're going to die of cancer. And now we have commercials all over TV that say, don't smoke. And yeah. you know, while you're pregnant, don't smoke these, these marketing campaigns. And now a lot of people think that cigarette smoking is uh, a terrible thing. You shouldn't do it. You're going to die sort of thing. Yeah. So we follow a lot of times the moral, you know, the moral perceptions, I think, follow legal realities. Yeah. Another great example, because I mean, what you're saying essentially is the law is a teacher. And I love how you just articulate balance because we do want to have balance and everything. You never want the law to be a cudgel with no. people, but we can think about something like texting and driving, Yeah. how actually uh, just society-wide people were texting and driving a lot mm -hmm. and we changed the laws mm -hmm. and people came along mm -hmm. because it's backed up by reason actually. Mm -hmm. It's like a very reasonable law that we can all kind of see like, oh yeah, there's a harm that's baked into this. The law should do this and it's good for everybody. That's so, a way better example. Yeah, no, that's I so mean, true. It's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And then it shifts the perception and, and it actually becomes the educator in right. many ways, right. you know, it becomes the very place in which people start to, to utilize their reason and tap into it. Mm. Yeah. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, we are talking with uh, Emily Leadham, the executive director of uh, the Lord's Center in the Diocese of Sioux Falls. And uh, we're talking about the uh, initiative, initiated measure 27 uh, on this November's ballot to legalize recreational marijuana uh, in the state of South Dakota. And, uh, you know, I want to circle back 
uh, Emily, to something you were talking about earlier, which is the uh, increased potency of today's marijuana, because uh, this is something where, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of confessed how marijuana wasn't all that important of an issue to you as recently as, you know, a year ago. And I thought that I knew a lot about marijuana, but I honestly did not know until just a few months ago, this um, issue of the increased potency. And uh, you, you mentioned the uh, SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health uh, Services Administration. Uh, this is the statement that they uh, have issued uh, regarding the increased potency of marijuana. So the, the psychoactive ingredient in marijuana is uh, called THC. Uh, and this is what SAMHSA says. They say over the past few decades, the amount of THC in marijuana has steadily climbed. Today's marijuana has three times the concentration of THC compared to 25 years ago. The higher the THC amount, the stronger the effects on the brain likely contributing to increased rates of marijuana-related emergency room visits, mm -hmm. uh, end of quote. And, you know, I, I just have to say that this was astounding to me. And I guess I, I just wanted to get your thoughts about um, whether part of what we're battling against when we look at this ballot measure is that people's perceptions of marijuana are formed based upon they smoked a joint in college 25 years ago and it was no big deal. And so therefore they don't take the issue all that seriously. Just want to get your thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's spot on. And um, it also strikes me that perhaps with the increase in legalization of medical marijuana, yep. the perception is also changing. Yeah. So, um, you know, like now we, we are, um, we are advertising and marketing the benefits of what's the other ingredient? CBD. CBD. Thank you. So we're actively promoting the yes. the health benefits, quote unquote, of CBD for muscle tension, for headaches, for ongoing things, yeah. and even just increasing the the marketing of THC. And there are there are absolutely drugs that are approved by the FDA that have marijuana in them that have proven yep. you know benefits and that kind of thing. So I think part of what's happening is as that has that as that roller coaster has has left the, the station, if you will, I think we're kind of starting to just lump recreational marijuana into it. Yeah. Um, but there's um, uh, th there's actually, a, in my opinion, uh, a huge void of research that's been done yes. on many of the diseases that were subscribed that we're prescribing um, medical marijuana for does that make sense? So that it so does. there's there's a huge there's there's a handful of them that yes okay the FDA said yep we're seeing this but there's a whole lot of them that that we're saying okay this has no impact on uh, this disease this disease this disease and yet I think because there's some big pharma money behind it uh, there's still this massive push that medical marijuana is going to solve all pain issues yeah. Um, and so with that, I think then we're kind of saying, well, if a doctor will prescribe it, it's not dangerous. Yeah. It's not, it's not whatever, but there's no dosage, you know, recommendations. There's, there's very That's limited right. research on it. Yeah. So I think that just is for me, kind of a place to cause, to cause pause. But I do think, you, you know, Michael, to your question about the perception and, and how it's just shifted, I think that's part of it too. Yeah. I, I was visiting Michael with a, a Catholic I, 
I found out he was Catholic, but he was a pain physician, a specialist in pain treatment uh, out oh. in Rapid City. And I just, I bumped into him in the Capitol one day. He was up there as the doctor for the day. Uh, they do this program. Anyhow, I, I asked him flat out, I said, sorry to wade into politics here, but can I ask you, what do you think of medical marijuana for pain treatment? He says, I will absolutely will not prescribe it for my patients. Uh, not a million years. What was his reason? You know, it's just, it's, it's the wild west. You don't know what you're getting for dosage. It's not, it's not cleared through the FDA. There, there are legitimate medications. I don't want to get too far afield into medical Yeah. because I know there are people out there who swear and swear up and down that it really helps them. And it's, but I think the, the reason you raise this, Emily, is are people conflating the two and seeing some of the positive, oh, it's, you know, there's some people who say this really helps them. And does this create this sort of po- positive association with uh, commercial adult use, mm-hmm. uh, so-called recreational? One uh, bright spot that I would, I think maybe is important to point out is we just got uh, some polling data back last week for the state of South Dakota, and we're actually looking more, I don't want to say looking good, but better than expected. Um, 54 some percent of South Dakotans are saying they're going to vote no Hmm. on IM 27. So maybe they, um, the advocates of marijuana, um, when they put both medical and recreational on the ballot together a couple of years ago, they got some benefit from people that were kind of confused or maybe like, Hey, I think I need to vote for this other one to get recreational and people are clear on it now. Mm -hmm. They just wanted, they just wanted medical and they're not okay with recreational. Mm -hmm. So. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I also wonder, um, you know, to, to some extent, whether uh, news is starting to uh, percolate about the effects of legalizing recreational marijuana in some of the other states like sure. Colorado and Washington and California. Uh, and I, I think that there is a, a growing awareness that uh, this has not been entirely a happy experience. You know, we've we've got uh, data from Colorado uh, showing increases in um, fatalities, um, highway fatalities associated with drivers who are under the influence of, of marijuana. So um, certainly a lot of things um, that we need to be worried about, you know, that might happen in South Dakota if this uh, comes to pass. So um, one of the uh, things that I've stumbled across, Emily, when I was uh, researching this topic was uh, some wonderful quote from uh, Pope John Paul II um, saying, there is need to recognize that there is a link between the lethal sickness caused by the abuse of drugs and the sickness of the spirit that leads the person Mm. to escape from oneself and seek deceptive satisfactions in avoiding reality to the point of canceling completely the meaning of one's existence. And, um, you, you know, it, it just seems that there's an obvious link between, you know, people using marijuana to, in effect, avoid unpleasant realities. Mm-hmm. And that part of what we need to do is to um, help people choose healthier ways of dealing with reality. And I wanted to you know, just pick your brain a little bit about some concrete examples uh, of, you know, healthier ways that we can teach people to deal with reality. Uh, And 
I, I need to say at this point, this is totally unfair to our uh, listeners in the radio audience, but we are coming up against our time uh, for the radio portion of our broadcast, but we're going to be continuing uh, the conversation with Emily. So if you want to hear the answer uh, that I just asked uh, uh, to Emily, uh, just visit our website, sdcatholicconference.org, and you can listen to the full unabridged version of our podcast. So for our radio listeners, until next time, live well. All right, and continuing on for our podcast listeners, uh, you're you're the lucky few who get to uh, to listen to Emily's answer to that difficult question I posed. Michael Polly, you are a podcast pro, pro. brother. Pro. Well done. Well I, done. I, 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 I did the little teaser there to get people to yeah. listen to the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> I want to listen to the rest of it, and here I am. Uh, yeah, that was so good, Michael. And and I I love that quote from John Paul II. And as you were reading it, I was like, this is why John Paul II changed my life. This is why, like, he just spoke to the human heart in such a profound way. Um, yeah, I I think about this a lot. We all have things that we cope with. We all have, you know, for me, sometimes it's, it's scrolling Pinterest or Instagram or whatever, or for some people it's food, or for some people it's shopping, or for some people it's smoking, or for some people it's exercising too much. Like, we all have ways that we work to cope with reality. That's part of kind of uh, the fallen humanity where uh, we don't just always run directly to the Lord maybe when we should, right? Mm. And um, marijuana is so boring to me in that regard because it just seems like another another uh, <laughs> uncreative thing on the list of things that we utilize to cope with, with reality, especially because of marijuana's um, the way that it affects the brain, the the kind of calming, like disengaged uh, effect, disengaging effect that it has on the brain. Um, yeah, I just I th- I think it's another way that people cope with reality, uh, with their own discomfort. Um, whereas we're really made for community, we're made for communion, we're made. We're obviously made for the Lord, but we're also made to respond to the creation that he's put around us to really engage in the world. You know, I shared at the beginning that example of showing up at the park and these two these two guys laid out on a picnic table, completely disengaged. We're not made to be disengaged when we're at a park and the cutest little girls ever are sliding with glee down the slide or swinging or whatever. Like we're, we're meant to notice that to a certain extent. Um, we're made to just, we're made to engage in the world. And, um, and so I think, yeah, the, the ways in which, um, we find people cope in a way that brings about flourishing in a way that actually brings about like a restored level of peace or whatever in, in, in place of where there might have been anxiety before is things like exercise, things like, um, friendship, Mm. things like, uh, the outdoors. We actually yeah. know that the outdoors, when we can be present to the outdoors, have a very powerful. There's a brain. There's a book that I want to read. The brain. Your brain on nature. I haven't read it yet, but I would love to read it because it does. There's. We know that nature has a profound effect on us. Um, prayer, obviously, like that's a that's the undercurrent <clears throat> of it all. Um, I mean, I could point to a million yeah. things: painting, creative, reading, whatever. Okay, and Michael, I know you asked the question of Emily, but I want to jump in here because as Emily's talking about sort of being open to reality or being closed off to reality. I'm reminded of this conversation that we had in this program with Michael Naughton a few months ago, mm, and we were talking him. about leisure. And leisure, according to our working definition, came from Joseph Pieper. It's this capacity of the soul 
um, to perceive reality as it is. Mm-hmm. So leisure activities are those things that help us encounter reality rather than those things which shut us off from it. So, I mean, when I hear you talk about just sort of being outside in nature, true children's play, it's like, yes, yes, yes. These are, these are really wonderful things. And there's a reason he called it the art of leisure. Yeah. You know, Peeper's book, The Art of Leisure. It's because it actually takes a little bit of practice and cultivation to be mm. able to do it well. Because our brains, I think, are so often in this productive mode um, that our default is like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to scroll. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's not your default. Um, but for some people that I don't know, it might be their default. But these so things are addic- they're, they're, they're addictive. Yeah, and right. the default is to go to where the addiction is easiest and most accessible. Right. And so I think that's one of the great dangers in some of these addictive substances like marijuana, which is obviously very addictive. It's just one more thing that's like the easy um, kind of the easy answer to escape the discomfort that we feel. And I've really like, this is going to be vulnerable, but there have been moments where I will get off of a difficult phone conversation. I will leave a difficult meeting. I will, um, sit down at the end of a really rough bedtime. Bedtimes are probably super smooth in your house, but sometimes they're not so smooth in my house. (laughs) And my temptation is to go to the most addictive thing. It's the, it's to scroll or whatever. And so I think it, it takes actually like a level of effort and creativity, um, to, to act differently. And, and I find there's a very clear difference when I sit down and scroll at the end of a really rough bedtime. And when my husband and I say, meet you on the porch with a cup of tea, let's, and let's read a book together or let's, um, I don't know, even just like rehash our day or whatever. Like there's a palpable difference in the restorative nature of those things to my spirit, which is maybe tired or run down mm. or whatever. So uh, we're, we're made, we're made for things that bring us life. We're made for things that bring us connection. Um, and, and I think marijuana doesn't seem to be answering that. It doesn't seem to be bringing about, prolonged restorative peace, presence, community, authentic friendship. Um, Mm. We're just not seeing that happen. Yeah. So Emily, I want to dive into um, a topic that often comes up in the debate over marijuana. Uh, And and it kind of goes like this. People will listen to you recount the harms, you know, that marijuana causes to individuals in society, but then they'll say, but we see the same things with alcohol and, you know, alcohol is legal. So why should marijuana be treated any differently from alcohol? Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Imagine walking into a bar of people that have been drinking great wine all night long. What's it sound like? Loud it's and loud. lots of conversations. <laughs> yes, it's loud. It's conversational. People are dancing. People are moving. It actually brings one for the most part, for most people, it brings one out of yourself. Imagine walking into a bar where people have been smoking marijuana for the last six hours. What's it sound like? Quiet. Very quiet. <laughs> it's, 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 it's disengaged. It's, um, and I, and I want to be careful here cause I'm not advocating for like over drinking or anything like that, but the effects of wine on, on the human person, as opposed to the effects of marijuana on the human person are radically different. And I think the difference 
that needs to be noted is, is that wine actually has a way of cultivating friendship, of cultivating relationship, of bringing one out of oneself. Um, I mean, it's why like GK Chesterton and CS Lewis and whoever else was, was in the, was in the posse. Uh, the Inklings. What do you call them? The Inklings. The Inklings. I've never heard that. That's their nickname. Isn't that? No. Well, I believe you. We could, that's a different show. Okay. Totally believe you. (laughs) But there's a reason that they met in a pub. Right. And drank beer and whatever, or the great philosophers would have pour a glass of wine and like it actually contributes to connectivity and and whatever in moderation, obviously. In yeah. a way that marijuana is not not doing for, for the human person. Yeah. That'd be my response. Yeah. And then there's there's actually this uh interesting quote uh that uh this comes from Pope Pope Saint John Paul II when he was giving an address. Uh, speaking to substance abuse in general. And so the context of his remarks is he was speaking out against both uh, drugs and alcohol. But in his speech, he he says, and I quote, "Uh, there is certainly a clear difference between resorting to drugs and turning to alcohol, whereas the moderate use of alcohol as a drink does not in fact clash with moral prohibitions and only abuse is to be condemned Taking drugs is, on the contrary, always illicit because it involves an unjustified and irrational renunciation of thinking, willing, and acting as free persons. Mm-hmm. Close quote. And uh, and I and I think that that yeah, what he's pointing to there is that uh, although there certainly is a a, a very real problem with alcoholism and substance abuse. And I, 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 I doubt there's any, I, I bet between the three of us having this conversation, we can all think of people that we have known in our lives uh, who have struggled with Absolutely. that addiction. And yet we also know that uh, the vast majority of people um, can uh, imbibe uh, alcohol responsibly and uh, in a way that doesn't uh, uh take away your, your faculties, you know, take away your ability to reason. So it's not a renunciation of your, your reason, uh, to, to moderately drink. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that, Chris? You know, I, I pose the question, why do people smoke marijuana? And I think the answer is to get high. Is that true? I think that's, I think that's why it's done. And I think that's yeah. the result of doing it, uh, is one gets high and to get high is to which renounce. Which brings about relaxation which, well, or yeah, whatever. And there right? are all these effects, right? Yeah. But but along with getting high is a renunciation of one's reason. And our reason is one of the ways in which we are you know, made in God's image. And um, it's part of our dignity as human beings. You know, it's it, for the same reason that getting drunk is, is gravely wrong. Um, you know, it's a deliberate renunciation of, of our reason, this high human faculty that is beautiful. It's... Mm-hmm. Without it, we aren't free, right? Mm-hmm. It's how we exercise our free will. Um, so it's um, it's different in that way. Insofar as that's that's why people smoke marijuana is to get mm-hmm. to get high. Um, you know, and we could say too. This is actually I can't remember what we were talking about, but this has come up on the show in the past with Dr. Bergwald, um, where even even so, we I think we all know uh, you know drinking to get drunk is it's grave matter. Um, shouldn't do it separates us from God, but even drinking to get tipsy, um, you know, there are moral theologians who make the case that that's a, that's a venial, it's a venial sin. Hmm. So yeah, there's something good as you, and the scriptures are full of these examples of sort of, um, 
sort of how a glass of wine sort of greases the wheels of, of uh, human festivity. Um, it's, it's in the Psalms, uh, you know, wine to cheer their hearts and oil to make their faces shine. Like it's, um, it can very legitimately be bound up in, in cheerfulness and festivity celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, if it, we're, we're getting into really dangerous territory when we enter that realm in which we're sort of cutting ourselves off from our human reason yep. at the basis yep. of our freedom. And as you're talking about that, the other thought that comes to my mind is if you ask somebody, why do you drink wine? Yeah. A lot of times they'll say, actually, I love the taste of wine. Mm. I love the smell of wine. Like it, it actually engages the pleasure senses mm. for people or like really good. Why do we have all these craft breweries? Yeah. It's because people really like like particular types oh. of craft beer. Um, people aren't smoking marijuana because they really like the smell of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It smells terrible. There's, there's actually yeah. like a, a human pleasure sense that, um, that we engage in, in wine or beer or good bourbon or whatever that's, that's not present with marijuana. The effect is, is essentially the only, um, driver for the usage of marijuana where I think that's very different for, for beer and alcohol or beer, wine, bourbon, choose your drink, right. you know, that, right. that there's yeah. actually an art to the creation creation of the thing yes yeah well uh emily i wanted to uh, segue a little bit into um the the, the politics behind this uh initiative that's going to be on the ballot uh w- whether it wins or loses is in large part going to be a function of public opinion and as chris mentioned earlier um we did see a poll that came out very recently showing at least at the present time uh, a majority of south dakotans uh, seem disinclined uh, to vote on that but you know that could change because the, the, we're, we're early in the campaign season um and there will be a lot of money spent trying to convince people um that this is a harmless thing to legalize marijuana um so one of the things that i am just was really struck by as I researched this topic is that uh, Gallup, the Gallup organization has been tracking public opinion on marijuana legalization for many years. uh, And it's kind of inched up higher and higher over the years. And last year, their poll put the number at a record high of 68% of Americans um, supporting legalization of marijuana. Um, and, and again, as Chris pointed out, this, this is not South Dakota. The, the most recent poll we have for South Dakota puts the number thankfully at, at 44%. So, um, but at least nationally, Gallup is claiming 68% support for legalization. But what's interesting is just within the last two weeks, they came out with a different poll that asked a question about marijuana that was moving away from legalization. And instead what they said is, what effect do you think the use of marijuana has on society? And when they framed the question that way, it basically ended up being a close split with 50% saying marijuana has a negative effect on society and 49% saying it has a positive effect. And so, you know, that left me scratching my head a little bit saying, okay, well, if there's 50% of the people out there who think that uh, marijuana has a negative effect on society, but 68% say they support legalization, the, the, the only way those numbers can be reconciled is that you've got a substantial portion of people supporting legalization who nevertheless believe that 
this is actually going to be harmful to society if we do it. Um, and I, I guess I just, um, you know, wanted to get your thoughts on, on, you know, what, what, what kind of explains that cognitive dissonance, you know, where some people could be in favor of legalization, even knowing that it's going to be harmful to society. Mm-hmm. How far apart were those two surveys? Did you say, were they a couple of years apart? Well, the the one that showed 68% support was in, that was in 2021. And I forget the, I think it was sometime in the fall of 2021. And this most recent one was just within the last uh, couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah. So really not far apart at all. Not too far apart. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I have to think that there's a whole lot of people that are making big money mm. on it. <laughs> and that maybe sounds really um, harsh, but uh the what is it the two main companies are are marlboro 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 how do you say that marlboro Marlboro. the cigarette marlboro i can't even say it marlboro the cigarette guy um he is now like in cahoots with the (laughs) with the main uh marijuana guy and the cigarette guy has to know that cigarettes are not good for the human person, but boy, he has made a whole lot of money. I say he might be, she, maybe it's like a group of people. I don't know. No, but, um, I just, the only way that I can really reconcile that is that there's really a lot of money to be had. And, and even for farmers of marijuana or of hemp or whatever, um, there's, there's a profit to be had. It's a, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, and, unfortunately there's a reality that a lot of people will support things if there's a profit and to minimize and, and minimize the risk to, to the human person. Um, and, and we see that in a myriad of things, but that'd be my, my, my best guess of what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, you know, puzzle. And, uh, you know, what, I guess my thought was, I thought, I think about scripture, uh, and that line, uh, am I my brother's keeper, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I, I wonder if we aren't seeing a substantial amount of the population that, um, you know, looks at marijuana and says, yeah, you know, society would not be better off if this was more widely used, but they they just don't feel uh, kind of the personal sense of responsibility uh, you know, to look out for the the common good. Uh, I'm not suggesting that most people are thinking this way, but I, I think that perhaps that's what we're seeing is that there's a, there's at least a, a, a fraction there of those people who are just kind of shrugging their shoulders and saying, well, you know, I'm not going to use it. And so it's not going to affect me. And so therefore, you know, I, I just don't really care, you know, what other people are going to do. It's, it's you do you and I, sure. I do me, you know, that sure. kind of mentality. So, you know, there's a comedian that on Instagram, uh, for a while was playing this game with his followers and he would post a picture of a sign and his followers had to guess, is it a church or is it a dispensary? (laughs) And, uh, and I mean, he had like hundreds, hundreds of examples of these signs and church dispensary, church dispensary, people would vote. And then he would post the answer of what it was. And I bring that up because all of these dispensaries and these evangelical churches, um, they have the same names. I mean, and you would literally see a, a new life church next to a sign that said new life dispensary. But it was interesting to me because the promise that was being made, I felt like in, in, 
how these dispensaries were being named and were being titled is that there's life to be found here. Like mm-hmm. there was a spiritual component and that's the reason that they were all the same names as the churches. There was a spiritual component of what it was promising yes. um, that I think is concerning. And I, and that's when I, when I, you know, was talking earlier about just the marketing effort and the way in which um, the, the big wigs behind the push on the legalization of recreational marijuana are, are moving. It's in that direction. It's in that regard. Um, you know, they're not, yeah, they're not going to name it. Uh, well, though there was some soaring heights and that sort of, <laughs> that sort of uh-huh. thing. Um, but, but I don't know, there's, there's something about that to me that was really telling in regard to how are they trying to promote and pass, um, this by in society. And that, and that was how it's like the, the churches and the dispensaries have the same name, man. It's just like, wow. can't we just be honest? We just want God. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. we'll look at a whole lot of different places for it. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Wow. Well, we are almost uh, at the end of our time, but uh, just, you know, before we wind things up, uh, Emily or Chris, any uh, final thoughts on this issue? Just to be clear, because I don't think we've said it yet. Vote no on I am 27. <laughs> I was just going to say, are you voting yes or no, no? Vote no on I am 27. Early voting starts, I think, uh, September 23rd. So right around the corner. Of course, election day is November 8th, but vote no, I am 27. And I think All the right. other thing that I would say really briefly, Michael, is um, the importance of talking to your people about this. Talk yes. to your friends, talk to your, talk to the people in your sphere of influence, because I think if it's not really thought about, it seems a bit like, okay, yeah. sure, why not? But when proposed or when, when, when I was proposed with the actual data and facts about how some of this is uh, playing out in people's lives, it really gave me pause and actually shifted kind of an indifference in me to now being on a podcast saying, Hey, I don't think this is good for the human person. So, so I would just say, encourage, encourage people to talk to their family, talk to their friends about it. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, uh, you know, the South Dakota Catholic conference, uh, will be putting out, um, some additional resources uh, for parishes and just uh, concerned Catholics to help share with their friends and neighbors and co-workers to help educate them about this initiative. And uh, I also plan to uh, devote uh, at least two more uh, episodes of this podcast to exploring different angles of marijuana legalization, perhaps uh, from a, a medical perspective. Uh, uh, maybe I'm hoping to have somebody on, um, you know, who's got expertise in education uh, uh, to talk about the, the negative effects of marijuana, specifically in the context of, of young people and their educational outcomes. And so uh, we're going to continue the efforts here to uh, educate people as best they can. And, uh, and, and then as, as Chris said, uh, in case anybody's uh, confused about where we stand, uh, vote no on measure 27. So uh, with that, uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. And until next time, live well. Live well.